You're listening to Soldiers of the Cross. You know, the greatest thing you can do in this wicked world is wield the sword of the Spirit. Don't wield your opinions because guess what? Those are paper swords. Your words can certainly hurt, but only God's word can cut to the heart. Hello, and welcome to Soldiers of the Cross. I'm Paul Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. And we've made it finally to the third and final part of our series on the armor of God. Now, the armor of God is found for us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. And let me read these verses for you. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." Now, if you haven't listened to parts one and two, be sure to listen to those first, okay? In part one, we talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. In part two, we talked about the feet and the shield of faith. For today's episode, we are going to finish the armor by talking about the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and prayer. So let's get right into it. First, let's talk about the helmet of salvation. Verse 17, again, the beginning of the verse says, And take the helmet of salvation. The current U.S. military helmet is called the Enhanced Combat Helmet, or ECH. The ECH's profile is very similar to the Advanced Combat Helmet, the ACH, but is thicker. They can be differentiated from the ACH by the different chin strap. The ECH Helmet's shell is made of an ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene material. The helmet provides 35% better protection against small arms fire and fragmentation than the advanced combat helmet, and it protects against certain rifle projectiles. The helmet has been shown nearly impenetrable to fragments fired by test guns. Soldiers must wear their helmets at all times, of course. Well, the helmet is important because it protects the brain. One shot to the head will quickly end your life. So the helmet must be thick and able to withstand gunfire. Back in the Apostle Paul's day, of course, they did not use guns, but it was still vitally important to protect the head against swords, spears, and arrows. There's a reason why snipers always aim for the head. The helmet we as Christian soldiers must wear is called the helmet of salvation, But that does not mean that it symbolizes salvation. Oh, no. Remember that the Apostle Paul is talking to Christians here. The pieces of the armor are all things that we can choose to put on or not. Well, salvation itself is not something that you can choose to put on or not. So what does the helmet symbolize? Think about where you put the helmet. On your head. This helmet, then, has to do with assurance of salvation. That is, knowing that you're saved. Believe it or not, many Christians struggle with thoughts of doubt concerning their salvation. 
These doubts happen in the mind. They don't have the assurance that they are really saved. Because they are not wearing the helmet, the devil is able to shoot doubts and fears into their mind. Well, the question then is, why do so many Christians doubt their salvation? Why is that? Well, here are some reasons. I'm going to give you some reasons. First, some Christians doubt their salvation because they are struggling with sin. This is very common. They can't seem to get victory over a certain sin, and so they think they're not saved. Well, this could be true. There is a strong possibility that they are genuinely saved. You know, if you're worried that you're not saved, if you say, oh no, oh no, I, I don't know if I'm saved, I don't know if I'm saved, and you're really worried about it, that right there is a good evidence that you are saved, because if, if you're really saved, you are concerned that you're saved. If you're not saved, you're probably not very concerned about it. You probably don't, you know, you you probably don't stay awake at night worrying, am I really saved? Am I really saved? Um, the the fact of the matter is that has been, that, that really is a good evidence that you are saved, that you're so concerned that you could be lost. Whereas if you are <clears throat> genuinely lost, that you're probably not going to be very concerned about it, okay? So I hope that makes sense. Now, here's another one. Second, some Christians doubt their salvation because they can't remember when they got saved. It could be that they made a profession when they were very young, you know, maybe four or five years old, but they don't remember doing this. And it could be that their parents tell them, oh yeah, when you were four years old, you you made a profession. When you were five years old, you asked Jesus into your heart, you know? And uh, so they tell them about this, but they say, well, I don't remember doing that. They need to examine their life to see if there's any fruit, such as answered prayers, God using them in ministry, or other things. Third, some Christians doubt their salvation because they don't see their prayers being answered and they don't hear from God. Now, there are plenty of reasons why this could be happening. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not saved. But it's true that born-again Christians should be hearing from God and seeing their prayers answered. I wonder, are you doubting your salvation? Is one of these reasons causing you to doubt? If you're struggling... The best thing to do is to read the book of 1 John. This short epistle gives several evidences of salvation. Now, we don't have time to go over all of them, but here are just a few. Do you have a sensitivity to sin? This is found in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. Are you basically obedient to the commands of Scripture? 1 John 2, verses 3-5. through 5. Do you love Jesus Christ and look forward to his coming? 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Do you love other believers? 1 John 3, 14. And there are several others. Be honest with yourself. The greatest evidence of salvation is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. One thing is for sure. Don't trust your feelings. 1 John three twenty says this, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. The word heart here means your feelings. It's referring to your feelings. When someone says, oh, I don't feel saved, it's time to look at the evidence. There are plenty of reasons why someone could feel unsaved, but remember that the devil wants you to feel that way. So, if you've got assurance of salvation, then put that helmet on tight and don't ever let the devil make you doubt it again. It's a wonderful thing to know that you're saved. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Yes, you can know. 
You don't have to ever doubt it again. And if you know that you're saved, then you don't have to fear anything that comes along in life. Let's move on now to talk about the sword of the Spirit. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the second half of that verse says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wow. You know what? One of the most important pieces of the soldier's arsenal is his weapon. Today, that weapon is usually an M4 carbine. But back in the day, it was a sword. Many Roman soldiers wielded a spear, but some also used the gladius, a short sword that was light enough to handle, but also dangerous enough to kill. For the Christian soldier, the sword is no mystery. It is the word of God. In fact, this is not the only place where God's word is called a sword. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow! That's a powerful sword, isn't it? Let's break this down. First of all, God's word is alive. The word quick here means alive. That's right, the Bible is a living book, the only one of its kind. That's why you can read it over and over and over again and still get fresh insight from it. It is a God-breathed book. When you open the Bible, you are opening the mind of God. Next, God's Word is powerful. This is because it is God's Word. Anything that God does is powerful, and so, of course, the Bible has great power. Men have burned the Bible and tried to get rid of it completely, but... No one can overthrow God's power. The question is, how powerful is God's word? Well, I want you to notice next. God's word is sharp. The Bible is sharper than a two-edged sword. Some get grazed by the sword. It cuts their conscience. Some get wounded by the sword. It cuts off their erroneous thinking. And some get stabbed by the sword. It cuts them to the heart with the truth. If you know how to wield this sword, then you have a weapon of great power. In fact, you have a weapon of mass destruction. Nothing can stand in your way when you're wielding the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. God's Word cuts deep. It says here, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Okay, so the Bible can cut all the way to the soul. That is your innermost being. That's as deep as you can get. That's your very core. That's who you really are. Now, the joints and marrow simply means that God's Word can cut very cleanly between two things. You see, God's Word is is like a sword. It's also like a scalpel. It can cut, uh, it, it can separate things. It can divide between things. And it can separate very cleanly. It's interesting that God's word can do surgery on your heart. And uh, you know what? The, The Bible, the word of God, doesn't make any mistakes. The Bible can discern what is in your heart. It's an amazing thing. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what? God knows your heart. And when you open God's Word and when you read the Bible, it'll show you, here's your heart. Hey, this is what you're thinking. This is what you're doing. It'll reveal to you something that you didn't even realize because your heart has deceived you. 
It'll discern what is in your heart. That's pretty amazing. So we've looked at this verse, Hebrews 4.12, and you know what? This is your weapon. Make sure you know how to use it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We could say it like this. Study your weapon so that you will be approved by your commander, a soldier that needs not to be ashamed. Some like to take jabs at the Bible, but we can actually cut them down to size using the Bible. The Bible can tear and demands philosophies like humanism, evolution, and postmodernism. The Bible can also bring conviction to even the hardest sinner. In Acts 7, Stephen preaches to the Jewish elders. Verse 54 says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. The word of God did its work. But these people refused to listen, and they stoned Stephen. You know, the greatest thing you can do in this wicked world is wield the sword of the Spirit. Don't wield your opinions because, guess what? Those are paper swords. Your words can certainly hurt, but only God's word can cut to the heart. Learn it as best you can. Study it every day. And don't be afraid to wield it. We need more men who will courageously wield the sword of the Spirit. Now I'd like to move on to the very last thing, and that is prayer. Prayer. You know, sadly, this sometimes gets left out when preachers or teachers cover this, this passage. But verse 18, notice what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This is connected with the armor. And what I call it, I call it prayer cover. When in the midst of battle, soldiers will often rely on each other. It's common for one soldier to move to a new position. When he is preparing to do this, he will often turn to his fellow soldier and say, Cover me. That fellow soldier has a very important job. He is to help his comrade make it safely to his new position by protecting him from enemy fire. And that is exactly what we are to do with prayer. We must cover one another with prayer. I hope you're wearing all the armor. I hope that you're down in the trenches for the Lord. But don't forget about prayer. Your fellow soldiers need your prayers. In 1 Thessalonians 5.25, the Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonian Christians, Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. In essence, Paul was saying, We are moving out onto the battlefield. Please cover us with your prayers. If we would pray more, there would be far less casualties on the battlefield. You know, I don't think we realize how powerful prayer is. If we did, we would pray more. And we would pray for everything. Ephesians 6.18 tells us that prayer is hard work. Notice, first it says, praying always. Don't stop praying. You know, the Bible says it in another spot. It says, pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean you pray every second of every day. It means that you're always ready to drop to your knees and pray and ask God. So don't stop praying. Next, it says, with all prayer and supplication. Now, that word prayer is simply asking. You, you realize prayer is asking God for something. But that word supplication has to do with making a petition or a request. So we are to pray always with all prayer and supplication. We are to make sure that we are always asking God 
for certain things, for needs, but also making requests to God. Specific requests. Now it says here, in the Spirit. You know what? We need more Spirit-led praying. If the Holy Spirit moves you to pray, then drop everything and pray. And you know what? I, I feel like that's missing today. Many times we pray simply because, well, it's time for me to pray. But if the Holy Spirit impresses someone on your heart, pray for them. If the Holy Spirit moves you to pray, pray. Be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And I'll tell you, many times the Holy Spirit will impress my heart to pray for someone or to pray for something. We need to pray. We need to be led of the Spirit in our prayers. It says, and watching thereunto. Now, a soldier must watch for the enemy. And so must we. Watch! Look around at the battlefield. What is happening out there? We must know what's going on so that we can pray effectively. Let me encourage you to watch. Be watchful. Look around you. And you can pray more effectively when you're aware of your surroundings. And then it says, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Wow. You know, there's something that soldiers have to do. They have to do it. They have to persevere. Soldiers can't give up. They can't give in. You know, soldiers out on the battlefield, they're, they're in the midst of the battlefield, and they can't say, oh, this is too hard. This isn't what I signed up for. I'm going to go home. They can't do that. They can't do that. They have got to persevere. You know, they, they've got blood on their hands. They've got blood on the uniform. They're sweating. They're, they're hurting. They're injured. They're wounded. But they've got to keep going. They've got to persevere. And it's no different for, for Christian soldiers. It's hard. Hey, guys, I know the Christian life is not easy. It's hard. In fact, it'd be easier to live for the world, to just give into the flesh. It'd be very easy. But you know what? God hasn't called us to a life of ease. God has called us to a life of hardship. And this life that we're living, it's so brief. It's so short. It really is. You've got all of eternity to enjoy heaven. But for this life, be willing to be a soldier and fight and do the hard things and persevere, push through. Don't give up. Don't wave this flag of surrender. You've got to persevere. And you know what? We've got to persevere in prayer. Don't give up. If you're praying for somebody, don't stop praying for them. Well, I've been praying for them for years. No, keep praying for them. Keep God answers prayer. Keep praying for them. And specifically right here, what, what the Bible is saying here is we need to pray for the saints. He says at the end, he says at the end, um, perseverance, supplication for all saints. Okay, so we're talking about intercessory prayers right here. We're not talking about praying for, you, for yourself. He's talking about praying for the needs of others. Intercessing on the behalf of other saints. Pray for them. If you're not willing to pray, then you might as well strip yourself naked. We cannot do anything successful without prayer. There is no power apart from prayer. Okay, if you do anything without prayer, then you are doing it in your own strength. And you don't have any power in your own strength. We need to pray for the power of God. We need the power of God in our lives. We need the power of God in our families and in our ministries. And if we don't pray, there will be no power. We must be completely dependent on our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need prayer cover. Prayer cover. 
pray for the saints. I want to summarize as we come to the end of this series on the armor of God. I sure hope it's been a blessing to you. Let me summarize and just go over each of these once again. We have the belt of truth. Is your life wrapped up in the truth? The breastplate of righteousness. Are you living right with godly standards and convictions? The feet. Are you taking the gospel to those around you? The shield of faith. Are you putting your faith and trust in God so that the devil's arrows can't penetrate your mind? The helmet of salvation. Do you have assurance of salvation? Do you know that you're saved? The sword of the spirit. Are you wielding God's word against your foes? Are you using your weapon? And of course, prayer. Are you covering your fellow soldiers in prayer? Wow. Let me encourage you, if any of these, if if there's a piece of the armor that you desperately, that you say, boy, I've sure needed that, let me encourage you to go back, listen to it again. Listen to it. Maybe it was the shield of faith. Maybe it was the breastplate of righteousness. Go back, listen to it again. Listen to it again. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, Let me encourage you to go to my website, paulrobinsonbooks.com. And uh, I've got resources there, books, articles that will be a blessing to you. So let me encourage you to go there and um, send your questions, please. Uh, Bible questions. If you have Bible questions, please send me your questions. I'd love to answer them. Send your questions to questions.soldiers at gmail.com. Again, questions.soldiers at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to answer your questions. And by the way, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, share it with somebody else. Find a young man or, or just any man in your life who you say, boy, this, this podcast would be a blessing to him as well. Share it with him. Would you please do that? I would appreciate it. I'm excited. Now, next week, next week we'll be talking about this topic. When does something become worldly? I think that'll be a really interesting topic because the Bible talks about worldliness, love not the world. Well, what what is that? How does that translate to our lives? Okay, um... You know, can I watch this movie? Can I own this thing? Is it okay? Or is it worldly? When does it become worldly? I think that's a very interesting topic. I think you're you're going to find it uh, quite fascinating. And really, this this next episode is going to lead into something else we're going to be talking about, and that's going to be standards. And we're going to talk about that probably two weeks from now. But uh, that's the next episode, and so don't miss it. All right? Be here. Until next time, remember, you can live victoriously in Christ. Thank you.